time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Carl Blaylock. Hi, hello, 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 and welcome into the WATH studios. Carl Blaylock, Dylan Westmeyer with you in studio. Great, great sports day. Uh, beginning of the Sweet 16. Uh, got quite a few games on tonight, including one just tipping off in, what, 20, 25 minutes here with uh, Michigan State, Kansas State. We'll talk about those games and talk also about tomorrow's games. Uh We'll find some other stuff to talk about as well, but we're going to lead off the show today with talking about Bobcat Baseball, as we do every Thursday, and we welcome in, via the phone, Ashley Beach. Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm great, Carl. How are you? Really good. And so, obviously, it, it is a lot warmer today than what it was last Friday when the Bobcats took on uh, Central Michigan. I'm looking at the box score here. It said 48 degrees and cloudy. Um, I, I think that was very generous. How, how many blankets did it take uh, uh, on Friday for uh, how many how many blankets did you have up in the press box? Because it was it was cold. It was a miserable weather uh, series. But how how many did you have? Yeah, it, it was it was absolutely freezing, but the bats really for the Bobcats warmed up. They had a little bit of a struggle early in uh, the game. Friday fell down a seven to one by the third inning, and this is a really good Central Michigan team. But they fought back and uh, only fell eight to five, and I, I think that really speaks about how the bats are kind of warming up for the Bobcats, and they've looked pretty solid. Uh, at least in that first game on Friday and throughout the se- series as a whole. Yes, and you have to remember that this is majority of last year's team, and they were number one in the match for offense in 2022. So you have to remember, I mean, yes, they lost Isaiah Peterson. Yes, they lost the Farmer. But you still have a Mason Minzy. You still have a Colin Castor-Bauer and Aiden Rouch. And you've got the addition of some new guys on deck, you know, uh, Alex Aquino and Cole Williams, those guys are really going to step up here soon, and they already have. So for them to go back like that against Central Michigan was pretty incredible. They were able to take one out of three on the series, winning the Saturday game 11-7. to And, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big victory for the Bobcats. Now, you know, Carl, I did tell you last week that I thought they could beat Central Michigan, so I'm not going to say I told you so, but I am going to say that this Bobcats team is extremely underrated sometimes, and they have what it takes to take big games like Central Michigan. That they do, and I mean, they they were able to get one game out of three, but they were really in every single game. I mean, none of them were really that much of a blowout. It wasn't, I mean, it looked like game one might been, uh, you know, obviously Central Michigan jumping up to a 7-1 to lead, but the Bobcats were able to fight back, and I mean, it was only, the the biggest game of the day was, or the biggest game of the series was only a four-run difference. Obviously, you don't want to have your opponent average close to... uh, why? What they were averaging about uh, nine runs per uh, with the three games, but still, it's really nice to see that the Bobcats were right in those games against a very tough opponent. I mean, this is like we've talked about last week. This is a Central Michigan team that put 15 runs up in an inning over on a Big 12 team in Baylor. Yes, and you know there were a few times I will say like. Friday that I, I wasn't too sure. It looked like the Bobcats were starting to lose it a little bit. But they always come back. And When you look at Saturday's victory and how they piece that together, and even Sunday, I mean, 
Sunday they might not have won, but they had their first error-free game since I think like March 6th. So they know how to piece it together. They just they just need to everything needs to work. And I think Ohio keeps running into this issue where their their starting pitching is not as deep as their bullpen is, and they don't have enough guys that can give quality starts as compared to guys that can give you know two three innings of great relief. And when when we talk about Moorhead in a little bit, I think that was that was the same issue as on Sunday. Yeah, and looking at that Moorhead State game, uh, it, it was a run-filled one, a final score of 19-14, to 14, and the Bobcats found themselves down 9-2 to two after the second inning, and it, it just went back and forth. A lot of crooked numbers on the scoreboard, but uh, it, it's definitely something where you can see the struggle for the Bobcats, and it's something that do you think that the Bobcats might have to go into, can they afford to just do like what the Rays do, really shorten the rotation down to like two or three and then just run out a bullpen game every once every series. I, I genuinely think that's what they're going to have to do, and I think that's what they've already started to do, um, especially with that midweek game against Moorhead. You know, they kind of ran out of their bullpen a little bit at the end of Sunday, and they, they weren't left with a lot of options. I mean, you, had, you saw Dylan Masters come in you know, twice in one series, which is fine because Masters have had, you know, limited innings already. But I think once we get to a certain point that they're going to have to rely on the bullpen more. And I don't know if the bullpen is quite ready for that weight, um, especially because there are some younger guys in the bullpen, but there's still a lot, of, a lot of transfers who haven't really gotten the time to see that Division One pitching in, in, a lar- in a large setting, you know. They got to pitch in the preseason when they were down at you know the Hughes, Hughesboro Challenge, but I don't think that the bullpen is quite ready for that. But I think it's what they're going to have to do. Yeah, and it, it's it's going to be a struggle for the Bobcats because I mean you can't, I mean you can't expect to win too many games when you have 19 runs. And this is a Moorhead State team that's you know they're coming they're coming back over here in two weeks, I believe April. Uh, first week of April, they're here for a Tuesday game. And I, I think, are we going to be able to see a lot of big strides between the combined 33 runs that we saw on Tuesday for the Bobcats and uh, between the Bobcats and the Eagles and possibly less when we get into uh, their game in a few weeks? Is that going to be kind of a meter stick moment for the Bobcats? Definitely. Um, you know, Moorhead and Ohio stack up pretty even um, in terms of hitting, fielding, pitching. They're, they're pretty even. So I think they're a good – Moorhead is a good gauge for Ohio to kind of see where they are, especially when you, you get more into the back. There's a lot more, like, Moorhead quality teams in the back. But I'm, I'm more worried about when Ohio has to go to Indiana – in a couple of weeks. I'm worried about the Indiana series because if this is how we are battling against Moorhead, and albeit it was a great battle, but you're not going to be able to get as many big offensive moments off of a team like Indiana. So Ohio is really going to have to take this next Moorhead series and really, really think about it before they get into it. Because even, I mean, even against Central Michigan, like, yes, there were a few home runs, but not, not everything was a home run moment, and same with Bowling Green. Not everything was a big hit moment. You know, a lot of small ball was going on, and Ohio's going to have to learn that, you know, you're not going to be able to always bail yourself out every time, and everything needs to start clicking. Looking at uh, looking at this weekend, they're going up to DeKalb to uh, take on Northern Illinois. How do you think they can really start building up on that base this weekend? I think, I think you know, focusing on a good Friday, you know, start your weekend off right, get a good Friday down. You know, I think Luke Olson's going to stay the Friday guy. I'm not sure. He's, he's been having long outings, but he hasn't been having the best outing. You know, solidifying your lineup on Friday, I think, is going to be big for them. And especially, like, 
looking into Saturday, you know, keeping that solidified lineup, maybe making one or two adjustments, you know, switching out a catcher or whatever. You know, Mason Minzie caught all three games for the first time this weekend. Um, that's not something he usually does in a weekend. Um, at least he hasn't since last season. It's the first time. Um, and, you know, focusing on using your bullpen right, you know, let's not the guy out there who's only going to go a third of an inning. Let's put someone out there who's going to go maybe two innings, maybe three. Um, because then once you do that, you can go in Sunday. And even if you're bruised up a little bit, you can put on a brace, you can put on flex steel, you can something, and you can try to go for a series win. But I think their, their best bet is starting on Friday, looking at, all right, this is the weekend. We need to start planning now, which I'm sure is what they do, but it has not been working for them too great recently. I mean, I don't think they've won a Friday game in a really long time. What are your predictions for this weekend? How do you think the Bobcats will fare up in northern Illinois? Um, I haven't looked at it quite yet. Um, I think they'll fare fine. I don't remember much about last year's northern Illinois series. Um, I think that I think they'll do well. I think they'll have a good head on their shoulders after four heads. Um, I think they're going to be doing a lot of self-reflecting on that bus ride up there. Um, but I, I expect them to at least take one game, maybe two. I don't know if they'll get three because of that Sunday questionability, but I do expect them to take at least one or two games this weekend. All right, Ashley Beach, thanks for joining us uh, on, on the road a little bit. Uh, thanks for uh, finding some time and talking Bobcat baseball with us on the Sports Fan. When we come back, we'll talk about the Sweet 16. There's eight beautiful games going on this weekend. Me and Dylan will bring them down, break them down for you here on the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Here's what's going on. Attention Athens and surrounding areas, 970 WATH, 97.3 FM, and Power 105 WXTQ is your hometown source for all things Athens and Southeastern Ohio. Keep it tuned here for local news and happenings that is important to our communities. If your nonprofit group or organization has an upcoming event and you want to get the word out and let folks know, send us the information to PSA at WXTQ.com or drop it off by our studios during business hours, now located at 223 Columbus Road in Athens. Once again, that's PSA at WXTQ.com or drop them off by our new location at 223 Columbus Road in Athens. Keeping Athens and surrounding communities in touch and informed, we are your hometown radio station. 970 WATH 97.3 FM and Power 105 WXTQ. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. This is the Sports Fan presented by JNK Contracting. Yeah, it almost sounds a little bit like uh, the pre-tip-off music to uh, Buckeyes games. I, you're sitting over here doing the OHIO, Dylan, and yeah, I mean, right. hey, we're, we're pre-tip-off. Uh, what? Just about probably oh, 10, 10 minutes. minutes. Ten, 10 minutes to uh, Michigan State, Kansas State, and we'll start off with that. As uh, well, I mean, it, it's been a lot. Well, first of all, Dylan, we haven't had you on yet in the bracket season. How is your bracket doing? Well, I made about four this year, but the main one that I was worried about is not doing too well. I am in first place right now, but I only have one of my Final Four teams standing, so it's not looking too great. Um, I trusted some teams that I probably shouldn't have trusted, but... It's not, it's not too, too terrible. I mean, I expected madness this year. I didn't really want to do too many brackets this year just because I expected so much parity. There wasn't really, I don't know, after watching college basketball, there didn't seem to be that set, like, you know, A tier, S tier of teams this mm-hmm. year. It seemed to be a lot of, like, you know, you, you probably have that A tier, quote unquote, but e- even some of those B, C tier teams could 
could upset those A-tier teams. So I was like, eh, this year's going to be weird. I know we've had some weird years, but I, I figured this year was going to be a lot crazier than most. And I think I think to most people, I think it has been crazier than most. Obviously, I mean, we've only got the two one-seeds left in the Sweet 16, and that's happened, I think I was looking around, I think that's only happened five times in tournament history since the Sweet 16's been started. Really? There's only... Because I, I, I always feel like there's always one... one there's always one one-seed almost guaranteed to lose... Um, I feel like they're always guaranteed to lose in the first, like in the first weekend, because I, I, that as long as I can remember, I can always remember one, with the exception of maybe 2019 was the only exception to that. I think so. Since I think it was two years ago was the last time that only two two one seeds made it out of the first week, and then previous to that it was early and i think one of them was like in the 1950s and then two in the 1970s. I can't remember exactly. I do remember seeing that though, and I was like. That it, it kind of shocked me a no, little bit. I, I do like you remember, yeah. you know, a one seed stumbling early on, you know, against yeah, one of Villanova the used to be a lock for that in the early 2010s. Yeah, exactly. But then again, if you think about it, that's only one team. So three of the one yes. seeds were normally making it. But this year, you know, you had two of the one seeds. I don't think anyone could have predicted Princeton to be where they are right now. I think that's, in my opinion, that's the, the craziest team right now is Princeton being in the Sweet 16 is just absolutely nuts to me. I know a lot of people had Arizona. Um, but I mean, they've looked good in both of their wins, so you can't count them out yet. Um, I know we were going to talk a little bit about Kansas State, Michigan State, so we can move to that one. Yeah, um, it, it 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 uh it should be a pretty solid one, and I just want to I I don't I don't think I've ragged on it on air yet, but I think one of the most impossible things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, a friend and cl- a colleague of mine, I I uh, Claire Geary, uh. She graduated last year, did a lot of stuff with her during college uh, with the athletic department, but she she's in one of my bracket pools, and it is one of the, uh, possibly the worst bracket I have ever seen in my life. Dylan, she got two Sweet 16 teams correct. Two of them. That's it. Yeah, she that's... got Alabama right, and she got Gonzaga right. The other 14, wow. no. And it's not even the excuse. Like, my little brother, we, I've talked in depth about my little brother's bracket. He predicted Princeton to the Sweet 16, mind you. He got forced into the Sweet 16. Oh, he goodness. still had, I, I, he still has Gonzaga left. That's his only Final Four left. But, like, his bracket wasn't that bad. Like... Yeah, um, this year was crazy. I, I've seen yeah. so many brackets. <laughs> I mean, so many brackets were busted so early on. I don't think we had a bracket make it through the second day. I feel like that's normally no. something well, we have. Well, you know, at least yeah. there's one nationally that makes it like, you know, to the Sweet 16. You know, you normally have like one. No, I, I can't I can't remember one that's made it past Saturday of the first weekend, to be honest. But, I mean, it, it's just incredible. Somebody, and I, she watches a good amount of basketball, too. It's not like she's dumb about it. It's just... Yeah just didn't she didn't get her upset picks uh right at all and you picked the wrong cinderellas and you're screwed pretty much but uh i mean that's i mean that's what i was saying there's no real you know top tier teams this year but uh if we do look at that game that's about to tip off michigan state five minutes kansas state personally i'm a huge big 10 guy i love watching the big 10 big ohio state fan but I, i didn't really trust the big 10 too much this year I know they normally beat up on each other, but I, I, I trust. I didn't actually pick Michigan State because I did have Marquette as one of my Final Four teams. But you can never count out Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo is a fantastic coach. He's going to have his team ready. His team has, you know, I mean, I was talking about him. I think before the show with you, Sam Hauser, six-year senior. He's going to yeah. be that guy, you know, keeping this team anchored. But Kansas State, they look good. They look really good. We were talking about a uh, Keontae mm-hmm. Johnson earlier, former Florida player who had who had to get medically cleared to come back and play yeah. for Kansas State, and now he's averaging I think seventeen point eight is what I told you earlier. Seventeen point eight points. He's really good, and we we talked about this on the show yesterday. Uh, but I really likened it to almost like the master versus the novice with you know Izzo. Yeah. His reputation goes before him, especially with March. There's a reason why Rothstein replaces the month of March with Izzo. Yeah. Um, but Kansas State isn't someone you normally see in the well, second. Jerome week. Tang. Jerome Tang has really turned around Kansas State in his first year. He's done an incredible job with the Wildcats. And, I mean, 
And he's got a two-headed beast out there. He that's does. for sure with Keontae Johnson and uh, I think we said Mark Norwell. Norwell. Yeah, Norwell. I mean, they're both averaging 17 a game. Yeah. And Norwell's averaging eight assists. He's five eight. It's nuts. He's five eight, and he's that good. Yeah. I mean, it, it it is incredible what Kansas State is doing, and I I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again today. I feel like they need to batten down the hatches a little bit, tighten up. They're not going to be able to play as loose as what they did against Kentucky because. Michigan State's going to come into this one yes. ready, that's for sure. I mean, you have two, three days off, and Tom Izzo's going to have his team ready to play. If I did have to pick, I do think Kansas State is going to win this one. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, I mean, like we said, Tom Izzo, he's going to have his team ready to play. Um, and then moving on from that game, second game is Arkansas-UConn. I, I really, you could charge, even just watching that game on TV would be like, you know, about two cups of coffee. Just watching two of the most, two of the really most, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, they're just not not necessarily impactful, but high energy. High energy is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, between Eric Musselman at Arkansas and Dan Hurley at UConn. And I mean, oh my God goodness i mean this is interesting one i mean arkansas is coming off that huge win against kansas kansas was looking pretty solid Mm -hmm. coming in to the march madness but you know arkansas is able to beat them and then uconn you know they had i think they were one of the last three teams with an undefeated record early in the season yep until they they had they hit a little rough patch you know but sometimes that's good for a team you know it galvanizes them it puts bring brings them together even more and I mean, look at them now. They're in the Sweet 16. They, they had really solid wins against, let's see, who did they go up against? St. Mary's. That's a pretty solid yep. win. And then their first-round opponent, Iona. You know, and I mean, they, they didn't, like, you know, scrape by. They beat both of those teams by double digits. So, I mean, they're really good defensively. Um, I don't know. I think, I think Arkansas is going to re- have a really tough time beating UConn tonight. Um, I think this one might be a little more lopsided than the Michigan State-Kansas State game personally. But, um, I mean, you never know if Arkansas gets hot. I've heard they're a really hot, cold team. My dad <sighs> likes to watch a lot of basketball. And he, he he always likes to give me his takes about his teams. And he's, he's like, I enjoy watching Arkansas, but when they're cold, they're cold. I, I, I love the must bus, but I, I think the must bus is going to break down. Yeah. Uh, in in the Nevada desert tonight, I I just I can't with how good UConn and UConn. I mean, St. Mary's has had one of the, they had one of the best teams they've had in a long time. They lost and, by fifteen. Yeah, UConn made them look absolutely silly. I mean, UConn is one of the best teams in the tournament. I have them uh, in my Final Four, and I, I think they continue that. I, I think they really continue, and they will uh, defeat Arkansas pretty handily tonight. Looking at the second game in the East region, Florida Atlantic and Tennessee. And Florida Atlantic, uh, you know, they, they intrigue me. They, I think it's really, uh, Rick Barnes for Tennessee is really going to have to keep his players relaxed because I, I think if Florida, Florida Atlantic can get into players' heads, and you saw it against Memphis. You I saw the infighting say, in the first game against I, Memphis. I, I picked FAU in the Sweet 16. I did have them beating Memphis. I know a lot of people had Memphis going far in this one because I don't think anybody trusted Purdue as a one seed. Let's be fair. I, I think the only one that I think the only person that did was my little five year old brother. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, I did pick FAU to get this far. Um, Tennessee. They looked really, really good against Duke. I did hear. You know, I was watching College Game Day. I believe the next day, and they were. They, they weren't complaining about the referees, but they were saying that the game was poorly refed, um, that Tennessee was allowed to be too physical. Um, I'm intrigued to see if that does happen again tonight. I, I think we're going to see a lot of physical play because we've seen a lot of physical be. play between Florida Atlantic in the first two games. Yep, I do think it will be, but the question is, how much are the refs going to give them? That's that's I think that's going to really decide the tempo of this game because if they're physical right off the bat, but then there's a bunch of whistles and fouls, they're probably going to have to change things up a little bit. Um, I mean, Tennessee is a, a deep, you know, older team. You know, they've got a lot of experience under their belts. Um, FAU, they've had a phenomenal season going 30-3 and coming into March Madness. And then, you know, beating a solid Memphis team and then beating the the surprise of the tournament um, in, this, in the second round. And now they go up against this hardened Tennessee team who, you know, had its ups and downs during the season. But, I mean, like I said, they looked really good against Duke. But, I don't know, I think this one, again, is kind of like that Kansas State-Michigan State. It's a bit of a toss-up. You, 
I think it really matters on how physical these teams are allowed to be. I, I think if they really let them to play with the physicality, I think that leads uh, an advantage to Florida Atlantic. I really think it also depends on what Tennessee team shows up. Because yeah, you've seen some of the, you know, Tennessee, they look great versus Duke. And I, I was really surprised by that because I really came into that game thinking Duke was going to, I thought Duke was going to do what Tennessee did to them. I thought Duke was going to dominate that game. But Tennessee looked really good. And they looked good for about the first 30 minutes against Louisiana uh, in the first round. And then they kind of fell apart towards the end. And I don't think they will be able to survive uh, if they fall apart towards the end against uh, Florida Atlantic. I think Florida Atlantic will take advantage of that. Almost like, well, Florida Atlantic did that against Memphis. So... I, you know, I I might have to hoot and go with the Owls. I think that one, if you're picking an upset tonight, I think that's probably the, the best bet that you have. I mean, like I said, Michigan State is going to be ready, and it looks like that game just did get started. Uh, Kansas State starting to score in early, up 2-0 already. But I, I do think that game is going to be close, but I think Kansas State pulls it out, and I really don't see Arkansas losing to UConn. But then let's move on to the nightcap. I think the best game we'll see tonight, Gonzaga-UCLA. Do you know what happened on this date 17 years ago? Have you seen on Twitter what, what, what the anniversary is? I have not, Carl. What is the anniversary? It is the anniversary of the Adam Morrison game. Oh. You know which game I'm talking about? I think I do. The one, the one UCLA down double digits. I believe it was 16 at one point to Gonzaga in the second half. Gonzaga blows the lead. UCLA gets it to one. Gonzaga throws the ball away on or on an inbound. UCLA takes the lead. Gonzaga gets the ball in halfway, you know, pass to half court. They didn't get the ball to Adam Morrison, and uh, you know, there's a jump ball at midcourt. UCLA have the arrow, and you just see an absolute balling, balling Adam Morrison just in the center of the court, and it's, you know, it, it, it's one of the more iconic moments of March. That's Gus Johnson's, like, uh, it, it is it is one of his best calls of all time, but I, I think you look at some of these tournament games that Gonzaga and UCLA have, you know, they're two powerhouses on the West Coast. Uh, neither of them, though, ever being able to get over the hump, especially in the 21st century. I mean, UCLA, their last national title was, I believe, 1996? Uh, 1995. 1995. Sure. 1995 was their last title But we've talked about UCLA. being good a, a lot of these past, I feel like, probably 10-ish years. You they've, know, made, they've, been... they've made eight straight Sweet 16s. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like an insane streak. It is, but, you know, I, I feel like we always talk about that team getting into the Final Four, and then, you know, maybe they blow a game here or there, but I, I did hear something about this um, over the air again. I was listen- I think it was while I was listening to game day, they were talking about it. It was like teams like Gonzaga, they don't have that bruising of a conference schedule like, you know, some of the bigger divisions, like some of the Power 5 teams do. So when it does get to tournament time, they're not used to playing this many good teams. I mean, they they beat TCU by three. In their first round, they beat Grand Canyon by 12. I mean, UCLA also played two really close games. I mean, UNC they did blow, blow out UNC Asheville, but Northwestern, I mean, they kept it close. I, I don't know. I mean, this this one's get really intriguing to me. I got to disagree with you on saying that, like, the West Coast Conference, especially this year, was a little bit of a gauntlet because obviously you have St. Mary's. They're really good. Um, but outside of that, you had some other really solid teams. Um, Loyola Marymount, I mean, they 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 beat Gonzaga. You know, they, they were really solid this year. BYU's always pretty solid before they leave for the Big 12 at the end of next year. This was their swan song in the West Coast Conference. But, you know, these are, these are those are good teams. And I... I really don't think Gonzaga's at that much of a disadvantage compared to UCLA. I really don't think the Pac-12 was that good in basketball this year. Um, but it's 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 going to be interesting to see. I would give Gonzaga the edge, as I've said, but I, there's just so many storylines coming into this game. Yeah. And every single time that these two teams meet up in the tournament, it's gonna be something happens. It's something gonna be happens. Classic. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be a classic one way or another. I think we're going to see a lot of very, very good basketball tonight. 
And I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of the same tomorrow. Um, but again, it's the Sweet 16. You're going to see good basketball, right? I mean, you expect to see a blowout or two here or there in the first round or the round of 32. And then you might see one, you know, in the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 or, you know, you might see one here or there. But I think we're going to see a lot of really tight basketball games. Absolutely. Is there anything? I know obviously you and Cedric will go in depth on it tomorrow during tomorrow's sports fan, but do you want to talk any about uh, any of the games from Friday's slate that really jump out to you? I like Creighton Princeton. I think that's the shocker. I did have Creighton in my Sweet 16, and I think in the bracket that I'm in there with you, I have them in the Final Four. I think they're, you know, one of those teams that people slept on a little bit more, but again, seeing Princeton in the Sweet 16, I'm, I'm very intrigued on how they do against Creighton. Um, and then obviously we see the two one seeds that are still in there, Alabama, San Diego State, that first game of the day. I think that one's going to be interesting. I know you're a big Mountain West basketball guy. Absolutely. And I know you're rooting for San Diego State. Um, but we do have an OU, an XOU player, Mark Sears, out there for Alabama, so I wish him the best. And then, I mean, Miami-Houston, I think that one's going to come down to the wire. And Xavier-Texas, I mean – Looking at all these games, I'm, I'm really excited to see how they turn out. I think I think they're all going to be really fun games to watch. Um, Xavier is my last Final Four team in my my, my one bracket that I did Ugh. put some money on. Um, I, I don't love that pick for you, man. I, I mean, again, Xavier. I, had, named, I named it Dylan's best guess because I have no idea fair. what's going on. That's fair. But I, I have to say with this, though, like, Xavier, I think, is the most undeserving team in the Sweet 16. Yeah, they should have lost in the They should have lost to Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State really blew it. And then they played Pitt, which is not a real basketball team. Really not at all. I they mean, had, They played a really good game against Iowa State. You cannot fault them for that. They played a good defense against Iowa State. I will give them that. I will give them that. Xavier they played still good only defense. won by nine. Pitt's, Pitt gave them a solid game. I mean, yeah. Pitt shouldn't have even been there. If if Mississippi State could make a three, Pitt should not have been there. But that's if Iowa that's State March could Madness. have made a shot. But that's I, I know Madness. it is. But like Pitt was Pitt was not good at all this year. But hey, I mean they made it, and you know they showed that they were deserving. I mean Texas, Texas, Texas played a tough Penn State team. Penn State I think deserved more than a ten seed. Yes. Um, this year for sure, but. They beat a tough Penn State team by five. They beat a pretty solid, I know, Colgate team that we, I think we talked about, or maybe I talked about with some of the other Hardwood Heroes folks when we were talking about brackets. Yeah, that, I mean, that they, they were going to be a tough 15 seed for a lot of two seeds. They, they, they always are. They so, always are. So I don't know. Again, I think there's going to be a lot of good basketball played these next two days. It'll definitely be fun to watch as uh, first game has gotten underway. They should be near the first TV timeout, and they are at the under 16 with Kansas State leading Michigan State 9-8. to that, That'll definitely be one that I will be watching throughout the night. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll find something to talk about here on The Sports Fan, presented by JNK Contracting. Hi. I'm Marcel Spears. Keeping our global neighborhood safe is a tough job, made easier by America's brave military dogs. These dogs keep our troops safe by sniffing out bombs and IEDs and locating enemy positions. Yet when these canine heroes retire, they're too often left overseas. American Humane works to bring these valiant dogs home and reunites them with their handlers for happy, healthy retirements. To learn how you can help, visit AmericanHumane.org. Hi, I'm Kim. And this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. Well, it's really not, it's the, not the Kim and Ruth Show. It's really... <laughs> I don't know. Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics. And all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. This is the Sports Fan presented by JNK Contracting. And I want to talk a little bit about... uh, I want to talk a little bit about the... uh, 
NFL here because uh, an interesting thing came out here in the last few minutes. Uh, NFL, um, the NFL memo uh, saying that uh, a person who's not certified by the NFLPA might be attempting to persuade team personnel to enter contract negotiations with the Ravens' Lamar Jackson. Um, the teams can only speak with Jackson because Jackson doesn't have an agent. I, that that intrigues me. There's a few interesting, intriguing um, stories but uh, throughout that. Obviously, Lamar Jackson – Lamar ja- well, now that uh, Aaron Rodgers is, for the most part, settled, is just hammering out the finer details of it, yes. but he's going to be a Jet. He's going to be a Jet. That's I, I think that's a great move by the Jets. I yeah. mean they, well, I they mean, gotta get it. They gotta they, get they it completely done. Yeah, they need to get they it completely need, they done. They do need first, to finish but. it for sure. But I, I, I think it's a really once they get Aaron Rodgers, because that's what everyone's expecting nowadays. I think, I think that's a bona fide playoff contender for sure. I mean, we saw what they did last year with Zach Wilson, who had a horrific season. It was more Mike White. Mike White. Also, I mean, still Mike White not, solid. Not, not not a great season. I mean. They lost a the game three to zero. Yeah, like they they had some really rough games where if they had you know, I would say an upper half quarterback like you know maybe top sixteen in the league, they win those games. But you know last year they didn't. They have a really good young core, young defense. I think with Aaron Rodgers that's going to be a tough team. Obviously it does. The chemistry does have to work out, and if chemistry doesn't work out, then we could see the team fall apart. I mean that wouldn't shock me. Um, but I think the Jets are going to be a fun team to watch next year, and I don't think we—I don't think people have said that in in a long time. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing that interests me, and the Jets might add somebody else, as Ezekiel Elliott is eyeing the Jets, the Eagles, and the Bengals Ooh. as his three teams. According to sources, that's who he's eyeing after he got cut by the Cowboys last week. And uh, Ooh. That's that's an interesting one yeah, to think about there. I that mean, is I mean, very interesting. Oh, a backfield of him and Joe Mixon in Cincinnati sounds uh, fun. I, I don't think I yeah. think Cincinnati would probably be the least likely of those three teams, personally. Um but Zeke is very past his prime though. He's not I, I, I saw and I can see if I can find these. I, I saw some very, very like in depth I'm not I'm not super into analytics, but it is certainly, uh, it's certainly something that. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Here it is. Uh, you know, it, it's something to, interesting to keep an eye on here. Zeke rush yards over expected in 2022. He was uh, he had minus 0.26 on rush yards over expected. Uh, that's 43rd out of 48 running backs that were graded on that. Um, and that's down from 2021, where he had minus 0.11, uh, and was 32nd out of 52 running backs for that. It, for comparison, uh, Tony Pollard, who was the Cowboys' other running back for the last few years, was in the top five for both those categories in the last few years. And Zeke was an incredible. Zeke was incredible, like prime Zeke. Yeah was an incredible athlete. And he still is a solid athlete. He I mean, is. He's not that old. Mm. I mean, I remember 2016 when he won the national title at OSU. I what, mean, 14? 14? Jeez. Yeah, 2014. Man. So he's been in the in the league, what, nine years now? Uh, he, well, he stayed for 2015. 2016 so was his first season. Then, so, yeah. He, he's getting up there for a running back. He is. Dang, man. I <laughs> you feel I, old. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm like, I feel like Zeke got in the NFL, not yesterday, but I didn't think he was an eight-year vet already. Holy cow. I think he's still then, I mean, eight-year vet, he's going to bring some great veteran experience. I think the Jets locker room could use that now thinking about it. I mean, the Jets locker room use it. First of all, let's hope for a speedy recovery. For Brees Hall. For Brees Hall. I think if he's healthy, he's obviously their number one running back. But if he's not, I think... Zeke can probably stomach that load for a little bit. Um, I think, again, like I said, he might be a good locker room presence as well for that team. They are very, very young. Um, I mean, the Eagles are a really solid team. It wouldn't 
It wouldn't shock me if he wanted to go to a winner. It would shock me a little bit, you know, with the Eagles and the Cowboys. You know, rivalry, but maybe he's he, he has a little animosity now to the Cowboys for cutting him. But I don't know. I think I think the Jets is a, is a solid fit for Zeke this year. But, um, you know, we'll have to see what happens. You know, nothing nothing's for sure until a contract's signed. Absolutely. And it... it it's going to be intriguing. I, I I really am interested to see where Zeke lands and if he can kind of rekindle some of that magic he had in the 2017-2018 seasons because he was, he was something special. But I think it really talks to running backs as a whole where in the league where you're good for about your rookie contract. Maybe you're worth like a two- or three-year deal extending it. But outside of that, and there's a few outliers, uh, Derrick Henry for yeah, one. For sure. But really outside of that like there's really a timetable yeah for how good you are going to be as a running back in the nfl and it's not very long yeah i mean well i mean if you think about it those are the guys who are getting hit the most i mean i i know i complain about the browns and i'm like give the ball to nick chubb give the ball to nick chubb but i mean i feel like the more he gets hit the more those running backs get hit you know it wears down the body i mean I, th- I think they're the position that you're looking at that gets, you know, the biggest hits, you know. You know, you might see a wide receiver lit up here or there, but they might have six, seven catches a game maybe, and that's, that's their, you know, pretty solid wide receivers, whereas these running backs are getting the ball 15, 20 times a game, you know, give or take, and they're getting battered left, right, and center. They definitely are, and uh, I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what... Uh We'll really have to see where where the running back market goes because I feel like you're going to see a downward trend on the running back market, especially with how much the quarterback market oh, in the NFL is just exploding. It's it's overinflating. It's creating a heck of a bubble if you're into economics. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how these teams reallocate the money, and I think we're going to see uh, a trend back down on running backs because you know you're not. And when you're paying your quarterback, you know, for for example, your brownies paying, you know, fifty million dollars guaranteed per season to one quarterback, possibly sixty four million dollars. Oh, don't we don't, we don't gotta <laughs> bring the next that two up years again. for the cap hits, I mean oh. well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find another running back. You're yeah. gonna have to find a running back by committee. I think we're gonna see a yeah. lot of that back again. Yeah, I think you're completely right with that. I, I, I can't remember who I was talking to. It might have been Darius, I believe. Um, but I think we were talking about the salary cap hits and the fact that um, the Browns may have to choose between keeping, you know, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and Nick Chubb. You know, you, you're probably going to have to let one of those three guys walk at some point, which, I mean, as a Browns fan, completely sucks. You know, Nick Chubb's been a phenomenal running back for the Browns and Miles Garrett does Miles Garrett things you know he's always defensive player of the year conversation and I mean Denzel Ward when healthy is probably one of the best corners in the league and you're probably gonna have to let go one of those guys because you're paying Mr. Deshaun Watson so so much money um I don't know the quarterback market just it it's it I understand you need a good quarterback to win now, and you have to have that pass pass offense, you know, be able to pass the ball and whatnot, but golly, the numbers some of these guys are making is just crazy to me. Absolutely, and uh, we're going to have to see where that takes us. Uh, it, it's it's going to be intriguing to see what happens, and obviously the cap's always going to expand some, but... Man, some of these quarterback contracts are going to look terrible in a few years. They're gonna they're gonna look like some of the the major deal and like the mega deals that you had for baseball in the early two thousands. Uh, the Ken Griffey Jr. contracts, the Bobby Bonilla contracts, um, you know, stuff like that. So we'll we'll see we'll see how it ends up. I mean, I think with Deshaun Watson, you're already seeing it. We'll see if he can redeem himself on the field this year. But it's not looking good for uh, it's not looking good for uh, Haslam's uh, really desperation move. Yeah, and I I called it a desperation move at the time, and that's certainly what it looks like. The just more and more we get one more it. year, just had to wait one more year. You know, run run it out with Jacoby Brissett last year, and then draft a young quarterback this year. There's so <laughs> many. I mean, there's 
They're, no, this year is not. No, this year is not. The, trust me, from a Colts fan who's stuck with one of these quarterbacks, more than likely, unless somehow we end up with Lamar Jackson. Which, uh, if you look at Jim Irsay's Twitter likes, then maybe we will. Who knows? But from my personal opinion, who I've had to sit there and look at all these quarterbacks, um, unless you're picking in the top two, which you aren't going to be, you would be better just sitting around with Jacoby Brissett because I, I, I think it'd be good to pick up one of these quarterbacks, you know, to learn under Jacoby Brissett for a year. For two. Anthony I, I, Richardson, yeah, maybe for Anthony Richardson, but even then, I, I I'm not sold on him. Levis, I think, is going to be terrible. The thing is, you never know with some of these guys. I mean, we thought Josh Allen was going to be terrible, and look where he's turned out. I feel like there was a difference with Josh Allen, though, because all he needed to do was fine-tune. All he needed to do was fine-tune his accuracy. Um, with Levis, it's his decision-making. And unless he needs LASIK like Jameis Winston did, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think there's much saving the accuracy. But uh, we'll see. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll have our surefire hot picks as we roll on on the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Here's what's going on. The Athens Hawking Solid Waste District is looking for creative and catchy jingles that promote their Clean the Stream recycling campaign. The winner will have their jingle broadcast on local radio stations in Athens and Hawking counties. Submission deadline is March 31st. For more information, email AthensHawkingSWD at gmail.com. Rural Action would like to announce Spring Break Day Camps coming up on April 6th at Presbyterian Farm and April 11th at Gloucester Memorial Park. Rural Action Spring Break Day Camps focus on nature immersion, exploration, and fun in the forest. Each day camp is tailored to the local environment. Kids will get to unleash their curiosity and explore local forests, creeks, and trails. For more information, contact Carrie at ruralaction.org. That's what's happening from your friends at 970 AM WATH 97.3 FM and Power 105 WXTQ. Everyone knows that drinks at McDonald's just taste better. So, is it safe to assume that new lemonade at McDonald's might be more refreshing, more delicious, more bustin' with flavor than any lemonade you've ever had in your life? Yep. Try new lemonade from McDonald's, made with real lemon juice, bits of lemon pulp, and cane sugar. Or pick up a mocha frappe, made with rich chocolate flavor and a hint of coffee, blended with ice and topped with whipped light cream and chocolatey drizzle. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary at participating McDonald's. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Now, for more of the Sports Fan on 970-WATH. This is the Sports Fan presented by J&K Contracting. I like that one. Yeah, a little pop-punk action for you, Carl. Absolutely. It's time for our surefire hot picks. And uh, looking at mine, I think it's easy. UConn favored by four and a half points. Oh, hammer the Huskies. Hammer the Huskies. Come on. Four and a half points? I would take that at, I would take that at eight. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, hammer, 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 hammer. Hammer. I do think UConn wins that one, but I, I can't take anything March Madness related with the madness that does happen. Uh, my surefire hot pick is going to be Cavs minus four against Brooklyn tonight. Um, since the trades, you know, with Kevin Durant leaving and Kyrie Irving leaving, and the Cavs being completely healthy tonight, I don't know. I think the Cavs take that one by a little more than four. That's, min- that's minus four, right? I believe so, yeah. Cavs are minus four at Brooklyn, but... Again, Cavs are completely healthy. Mitchell's looked really good. Garland's doing well. Can't count out Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. I mean, I don't know. When the Cavs are healthy, they're a tough team to beat. Yeah, well, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens with that uh, tonight. And 
we'll give you we got about like what four more minutes to talk about something we needed something to fill time and i know you're jumping at the bit on this uh dylan westmeyer is our tennis expert here at the station and the miami open's going on yeah that's right first round started yesterday we got to see some younger americans uh emilio nava taking down you know american serve extraordinaire john isner in straight sets a great win for the youngster and then you know, someone someone you guys might want to keep your eye on, Cincinnati native J.J. Wolf, Ohio State alum. Uh, he's been having a great season so far, had a great showing at the Australian Open. You know, has, has done really well for himself, took down Alexander Bublik in the first round of with a score of 7-5, 6-3. Looked really solid in the match. I watched the highlights this morning, and uh, I mean, he, he's been climbing the rankings consistently these past couple of years, and... Another American youngster in Brandon Nakashima, good win over Oscar Ote of Germany. And then today we've got a couple of interesting matches as well to look at with a couple more, you know, Americans. Mackenzie McDonald taking down his game, his win today, 6-4-6-2. The Americans have been doing really well so far. I believe there's eight ranked in the top 100 right now. Um, so American tennis is coming back. I know a lot of people said it was dead, um, but... You know, these youngsters are really carrying it out. We had another All-American matchup with Christopher Eubanks taking down Dennis Kudla. Um, I was actually able to meet Dennis Kudla years ago. He came to uh, the the tennis club that I trained at and uh, did a day with us, and that was really cool. And, you know, he's been doing all right. We had uh, another American, another younger American, in uh, Alexander Kovacevic uh, take down Jaume Munar in three sets. You know, another tough win, and... I mean, I, I, American tennis is really good. I know Miami is always a, a great venue. I know a lot of people talk so highly about it with, you know, being Miami. You know, it's, hey, it's, it's Miami. It's yeah. Miami, you know. Um, I On Instagram earlier, I follow a good chunk of these players. A lot of them showed up to the Miami Heat game last night. Um, now world number one again, Carlos Alcaraz. Um, he, had a, he had a nice Miami Heat jersey with his name on it. And I, I mean... He's great. Another tennis story that uh, you know some some people might understand. Rafael Nadal dropping out of the top ten for the first time in almost eighteen years. The last time the last time he was into the top ten, we were in diapers. Yes, that's insane. He he was in the top ten for I believe it was seventeen years in like nine months. Wow! If, if you think about that longevity that he's had, even with the injuries that Rafa has had, is just absolutely mind-boggling i mean seven almost 18 years being in the top 10 of a sport i don't think i could think of someone else who's done that for 18 years being one of the best 10 players in your sport maybe maybe arnold palmer maybe lebron maybe if you lebron, count him in the yeah, top 10 lebron yeah, oh, lebron for 18 easily. years yeah it's, it's isn't it this is 18th season no, no, this is like his 20th. Oh, geez, so maybe is, this is his know, 20th. LeBron, yeah. but I, I, LeBron's the only one. I, I think he's really the go. only one. Yeah. LeBron and Rafa, you know, top of the top of their games for 18 years. Just absolutely nuts. I That it is. Well, it'll be interesting to see what direction tennis really goes on uh, when, once they all retire. You've, you've seen a lot of these greats retire, you know, more and more and more. So... We'll have, we'll have to see that. Maybe that's something we'll discuss over the summer. But that'll wrap up the sports fan for today. Be sure to join in tomorrow. Cedric Granger and Dylan Westmeyer back at you here on 970 WATH.